And for all humans, in order to experience change, have to go through alertness, awareness, reward, and rest. And people with anxiety are very often stuck in alertness. Hey, I'm Armando Leduc, producer, film actor, and owner of Leduc Entertainment. I have chosen a life off the beaten path and wanted to find others that are doing the same. Spaghetti on the Wall is a show based on all of the years that I've thrown spaghetti on the wall and nurtured what's stuck. We will share fun stories, ideas, tips, tricks, and more. Welcome to Spaghetti on the Wall. What's up? What's up? What's up? Spaghetti on the Wall once again. Right here, straight from New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, if you want to get technical, Metairie. But uh, Melanie Weller is here today. Uh, licensed physical therapist, stress manager. And uh, she's going to be talking about all kinds of uh, the, the, the fearless what? What, what do Fe- we call Fearless presence. Fearless presence. So um, that's a great place to start. Tell me what that is. Fearless presence is when you bring all of yourself to the table at all moments mm. in your life. I've, I'll say I've been throwing a lot of spaghetti at the wall the last few years because as a physical therapist and coming out of the medical system and having a very niche expertise and trying to get people to, to package it in a way that lands right. easily with people, it's been so interesting to me that fearless presence is the thing that really gets people to hear it. My clinical expertise is in treating the vagus nerve as a pinched nerve in the body. And your vagus nerve does lots and lots of things. And it's kind of having this heyday in the press right now, which has been really fun for me to see because I've been screaming vagus nerve into the wind. What is the vagus nerve? For many years. Your vagus nerve is the biggest part of your parasympathetic nervous system. It goes all the way from your brainstem to your pelvis. And it's what balances out your fight and flight systems. It's what makes you feel good pleasure, what allows you to rest and digest your food and absorb nutrients. It innervates your vocal cords, your heart, and your digestive system. Mm-hmm. And it sends information from almost all of your organs in your body up to your brain. And so when we talk about mind-body medicine or mind-body connection, your vagus nerve is really that. It's your heart brain. It's your gut brain. If it were, you're going to imagine it like a 10-lane superhighway, Eight of those lanes go from your body to your brain. Only two go from your brain to your body. Hmm. And so our bodies are really our minds. There's no mind-body connection. When you have a physical pain, and this is where I've spent a large portion of the last 30 years, it's really your mind communicating with you. And I've specialized over the years in seeing the people that nobody else could figure out. And in doing so, I've figured out a few things, and that's what I'm bringing forward and really looking at not just how the vagus nerve gets trapped within the body. We know through the research that we embody stress and trauma in our vocal cords and our breath. And we understand that, you know, when we get stressed or traumatized, we gasp, we yell, our breath gets faster or we stop breathing. Mm -hmm. And our vocal cords and diaphragm are horizontally oriented in our bodies. Nobody gets stressed or traumatized in sachets down the hall with really fantastic arm swing. We all look up. So there are where we have horizontal structures in our body, the vertical structures that go through those, including your vagus nerve can get pinched and trapped. And so that's really what I've helped people with for many, many years is untrapping those things. And you get these beautiful, beautiful shifts in the body. But what I 
beneath that, what I've really loved for years is what those, like really what is stress? Kind of what are those archetypal patterns that we're doing? Like, are you stuck being the hero in someone else's story at the expense of your own? Are you satisfying everybody else's desires at the expense of your own? You know, are your emotions and desires at odds with each other, you know? And so like, I really love kind of picking, picking it apart at so that you don't, level. So, so you're also, uh, uh, like therapist too, like just a little mental. Bit. Well, right. Well, how does that mental health show up in the physical body? Because it mm. does. And it's all the same thing. I agree. <laughs> and then in transitioning all of this into a wellness model versus an illness model and getting people to try and front end it, as it turns out, taking it into more of the performance realm with speakers and actors and um, executives that just want to take up more space and have more personal power has really been a sweet spot for me. And the symptoms of anxiety and the symptoms of stage fright are basically identical. We all know when our vagus nerves are not working well, when you get that lump in your throat and your palms sweat and your heart's racing and your stomach's churning, that's all because your vagus nerve has been dialed down and your fight and flight systems have been dialed up. Mm -hmm. And so... So you're saying that you can switch that? Absolutely. You can totally switch that. And that switching it, for all the technical skills that I have, switching it in technical language is usually much slower than switching it through storytelling and imagination. And that's what's so incredibly fun about it. You know, people know that fearless, that presence at some level is esoteric. And I would say that the reason anyone sucks at leadership or really anything is because they're not connecting the tactical and the esoteric pieces. They're often really stuck in the tactical aspect of things, or they're really stuck you know, they're all airy-fairy in the esoteric aspect of things and not bringing those pieces mm. together. And so that's a big part of what I do. My p real passion within all of this, what I love, is how our bodies quite literally mimic the cosmos through angles and through story. The Vedas tell the story of our anatomy, anatomy and physiology. Oh, we have anatomical structures at both the macro level, like the ventricles of our brain and the, our throat anatomy that are shaped just like the astrological constellations that are associated with them and even all the way down at the cellular level. The ventricles of the brain are the same shape as the ram's horns that represent Aries, and in astrology, Aries rules the head. The way your hyoid bone in your throat sits on top of your larynx is the same shape as a symbol for Taurus and those through these stories and it works this way the whole way through the body and so you can really use these stories and these imagination cues to shift your presence and shift your stress and get better results and there's a whole neuro the neuroscience of storytelling and intention and imagination and metaphor is just extraordinary and medicine is really missing out on it and I've had a really hard time getting medicine to listen to me on mm -hmm. that so I've just been taking it outside of medicine into executives and performers and it's been super fun and they love it so it's been so so tell me what kind of results you, you're getting working with you so for, or what people can right expect. so certainly for people with stage fright being able to show up and not not be visibly shaking. It's okay to be nervous. People tend to actually perform a little bit better when they're a little bit sure. nervous, but to not end up being a total wreck and to not end up having a performance hangover of three days from right. a performance hangover. Well, people so, have so, had that. <laughs> people have had that where you're like, you go 
uh, I would say, especially for people that maybe have a more introverted personality, right? that you go get up on stage and you might be really skilled <laughs> at doing that, but then like it, takes you a it's long so time foreign to, to me because I'm like always on stage. So it doesn't, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, a, no, a, absolutely. Like, well, and for people that are really comfortable on stage, when you think about embodying a character, what you're really doing is shifting your arch- archetypal energy to match that of the character. Correct. I just give a little bit of detail to that to be mm-hmm. able to facilitate the process. And then for people that have perhaps inhabited a dark character to be able to squeegee that out of you at the end so that you don't hang on to it. So how do you market your business? Well, mostly word of mouth. I've been, uh, I have not been taking a lot of new clients recently because I'm writing my book and working to get that finished by August. My book is called Fearless Presence. Gotcha. Yes. And actually, if you go to my website, you can, uh, get a workbook of fearless presence, which is really about fearless bones because our stress responses actually start in our bones. Okay. And um, first, where where can we find your website? My website website? is my name. It's melaniewheller.com. Melaniewheller.com. Cool. All right. And so they can go there and they can get, so you can go there and you can get the workbook. It's called six steps to fearless presence. And it, that particular workbook, it over gives you an overview of the whole system, but really focuses on, fearless bones. There is a hormone that our bones release called osteocalcin and your adrenal glands will not release cortisol. You will will not get a stress response unless your bones have released the osteocalcin. So, and it makes sense if you're, we're going to have a fight or flight reaction, we need our bones to run or fight. Right. And for all humans, in order to experience change, to go through alertness, awareness, reward, and rest. And people with anxiety are very often stuck in alertness and they're not getting through the whole cycle. So, and people with stage fright, same thing. They're just, they're running at high alert and their body is really driving their mindset. So you want to flip that. Absolutely. So you flip that. So you like, you change your body and then your brain gets different information, you get better input for better output. So you have a system on how to change somebody's. Absolutely. How to change somebody's mindset through changing mm. their body. So it is a body to mind. It's so funny. Cause like, um, are, are you familiar with acting? Cause I know you just talked about acting. Are you familiar with uh, like the different acting techniques? Uh, some of them, but. Okay, cool. So ahead. you know that there's, you know, so, uh, Stanislavski is mm-hmm. talks about how, you know, how this, will affect the body right but then there's you know like the suzuki method which is like the body affects the mind right so if i if i want to be upset i need to get upset here and then that will affect you know me you know or or will affect the mind you know but then there's like the 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 thought process of okay if i can imagine being angry that will affect my body right so absolutely but i would say if you're imagining being angry that you're still a little bit more in your body than you are in your mind at some level. Or the way I would separate out mind-body a little bit is that the verbal pathways in our brain operate at about 40 bits per second. The nonverbal pathways in our bodies operate at 11 million bits per second. Mm. So when you want to get a shift, being on those super, like those 11 million bits per second superhighways makes a big 
difference. And that's where it's been, you know, really helping people through the vagus nerve has been my drug of choice because you get such incredibly fast results right. that it's, you know, I mean, it's endlessly fun to get people better. And where I really got into it around mental health that ultimately led to this, you know, to stage fright and, you know, working through that was, was somebody who we, uh, I had a, we have a mutual friend and she texted me one day and said, Melanie, my friend really needs to see you. And, And today, if at all possible, and it worked out that I could see him that day. And he comes in and he had had an acute onset of hallucinations and was living in a nightmare where everybody's faces were melting. Was he on acid? And no, he was not. He had, uh, but he had done a ceremony with a shaman that had left him in that state and couldn't get help. And, you know, my PT friends are really funny about this. They're like, he was having hallucinations and they thought of you. <laughs> and, you know, but that has been my reputation that, you know, when no one else can figure out, <clears throat> you often end up in my office. And so I had no idea that was even in my wheelhouse at the time. And I made, yeah, I set him up to get, to see a psychiatrist and to get other help because I wasn't sure that I could help him. But I thought, well, I can at least decompress his vagus nerve. I can try and make him feel a little bit better in the moment and get him the help that he needs. And at the end of our 90 minutes, 90% of his hallucinations were gone. And I brought all of myself to the table that day in a way that I hadn't always previously and from a clinical standpoint, his body was so, he was so stuck in his body. It's, it would be easy for me to tell the story that he was, um, that he felt kind of dead under my hands. Like he was super tight and very specific biomechanical, but you know, also measurable ways. And he texted me later that night and he said, Melanie, you saved my life and not in the cute kind of way because he was planning on killing himself that night if what I did didn't help. Oh, wow. Because he was just, like, it was, his situation was so unsustainable for him. And it's, like, I still struggle with the words for what it's like to be part of an experience like that. And certainly I fully believe that the universe was conspiring for him. But that really started to so clearly illuminate to me how much your body drove your mental health and... I, I know exactly when to ask somebody if they're in suicide ideation because I can measure it in the body. And so I'm 100% How sure you that your body, that body. Well, that's going through like, so I, it's part of the system that I've created with my biomechanical tests that really come from my physical therapy background. But I know when somebody is locked down, like that they're not just like a little tighter, they don't have just like 50% of the range of motion at these places, but they have like 10% of the range of motion and that it's something that exists head to toe. And my theory is that I think the only role we ever really follow is as above, so below. And that's why, uh, you know, energy, I think, is so fun to, to play with shifting. And for this person, he was functionally dead and was trying to match outside what was happening inside. Everything had slowed down and was so compressed inside of him that then he had this drive for suicide ideation. And so I've been, if anybody's listening, I've been trying to piggyback on somebody's uh, study <laughs> to be able to put this into action because I do have such a, a complete system around it. But in the interim, I'm finding that my getting into, uh, you know, working with executives and performers and stuff has been uh, a really fun place 
for my work to land and certainly for my own journey. I think it's, um, uh, you know, at least where I belong in the moment. But I do teach continuing education courses to healthcare professionals. And, you know, I am really working to push the how to leverage the vagus nerve in the body for better outcomes. What, what's your vision for this? I would really like for, for it just to be like brushing your teeth, that people know how to take care of their vagus nerves or that they know how to do a couple of breathing exercises. Like just because you're breathing doesn't mean you're doing it in a way that's really serving you. And just because you're walking doesn't mean that you're doing it in a way. Can you give me an example of how, to, sure. how I should breathe? <laughs> Absolutely. So he needs it. <laughs> he, he knows how he needs. It. No, so no. yeah, the, so people with, uh, like I'll just say with anxiety or even stage fright tend to breathe a lot with their shoulders mm -hmm. and really flare their ribs on their front and their back ribs do not move. They get no expansion on the backside of their ribs and your, Accessory neck muscles, like all the muscles that attach to your upper ribs, are not supposed to fire except when, like, you're working out or you're taking a forceful breath. But people are out there breathing 21,000 times a day using their necks, and that's keeping them in a fight-and-flight state. Wow. And so when you can get some expansion on the backside of your rib cage, not only are you decompressing your vagus nerve because it goes in part towards the backside of your heart, but you're also just mechanically, like you're working to get that 360 degree expansion and get out of this, out of perpetuating your fight and flight. Right. In terms of walking, I've spent years and years teaching people to walk softly because that's what the research says reduces injury risk. Uh, in, to walk softly? To walk softly. So like high school and in high school and college age girls, their ACL injury rate is five to 10 times that of the boys. Why? Well, they go through puberty, they, rough, they get hips walking. and they, and they forget how to jump. So like when they land, they tend to collapse their knees together uh. rather than land with their legs parallel. I would have never thought. And so that, that elevates their injury, injury risk. risk right. They're they're also more likely to injure injure their ACLs during certain phases of their menstrual cycle. But the part you can really help is the part that is how they jump. And so sure. you can there are jump training programs. Like I got certified in one many years ago to bring and those jump training programs bring their ACL injury rate into the same range as the boys. And beyond that population, we know that runners that hit the ground with more than six and a half times their body weight have more injury risk. And we all know somebody who's like an elephant walking down the hall, and you know exactly who's coming based on the sound of their footsteps. Right. And some people are like ninjas, and suddenly they, they appear. And you can't tell me that the research that the people over 60 that have been walking like elephants have less pain than the people that have been walking like ninjas, <laughs> you sure. know, have been walking softly, right. it makes sense. you know, like you're just the cumulative effect on your body has got to be, be there. 
And there is research, you know, I, I could quote other research that supports this, but it's, it's all there. It's easy to make this, create that story. But, so, but when you cue somebody to walk softly, what happens? Like they always feel better initially, but it becomes very, it's a difficult habit to create. Right. And it's a very, to walk softly is a very technical cue. But if I use imagery or presence and have them walk like they see their soul or like they see their inner being, or if I tell them, uh, you know, based on what's going on with them, you know, I want you to walk like you, like you're a lion-headed goddess or like you're a, have a beautiful set crown of horns on top of your head or something like that. They always walk softly. Right. They so always like have less pain. You're an acting teacher, kind of. It is. Yeah, it's very, it's very, it, it, I didn't know this when I was doing it for many years, but it is. It's very similar to a lot of acting teachings. I just use it therapeutically. Right. Instead depending of on what's roles. happening. Yeah. You know, but based on what's happening in the person's body, I match those images. Is this your first book? This, well, it, yes, it's my first whole book. I wrote a chapter in a book that came out last year. For what? The the book is called Sacred Medicine, and the lead author is Jen Pacino. And the uh, my chapter is chapter two, and it's called Vegas Nerve Cosmology. It's the origin story of of my work because I really came to this understanding of how our bodies quite literally mimic the cosmos through angles and shape in the midst of my own midlife crisis slash spiritual awakening. And I, my body was falling apart. I had a lot of struggling relationships and I had a professional lawsuit brought against me. And so I decided to just take a hot minute and figure out what <laughs> was next for me because I thought if I lose my license, you know, what am I going to do? Right. As a, uh, and so I, part of what I did was a lot of reading. And in that reading, I learned that mythology was a mode of communicating scientific information. So for example, the Egyptian myth of Isis and Osiris has the numbers of the Earth's processional cycle in it. It was the way they told the story of the stars, how the stars rotated and how the Earth moved. Mm -hmm. And there are other major myths from other cultures that have the same numbers. They tended to be liberal with the decimal points, but the archetypal numbers and patterns are still there not in the Isis Osiris story, is that the earth right now is at about a 23 and a half degree tilt. And physical therapists often really think about uh, how things are in relation to the midline of the body. And my first thought I had when I read that is, oh, I wonder what's 23 and a half degrees in the midline of the body. And just from my biomechanical knowledge, like I, I could rattle off some 23 and a half and 47 degree angles within the body very easily. Right. And... But your, where your vagus nerve exits in the base of your skull is 23 and a half degrees from the center of where your spinal cord exits. And so as a vagus nerve specialist, that was super exciting to me <laughs> in, in terms of connecting the cosmology with it. And I have in one of my anatomy books uh, an image that's a compilation of MRI images to show what the ventricles of the brain look like. And the ventricles make cerebral spinal fluid. And I've showed this picture to patients over the years. I took craniosacral course from Michigan State University's College of Osteopathic Medicine 
probably 23 years ago or something like that and have just really loved like I just love the ventricles and and a lot of the anatomy and physiology that goes with that and so in the midst of all of this upheaval I was also studying astrology to figure out what the heck was happening with me <laughs> and uh, the next time I pulled out that image it struck me that it looks exactly like a set of ram's horns and in astrology Aries rules the head and I was like oh where's the rest of it and sure hmm. enough it works that way the whole way through the body Leo rules the heart and your aortic arch is the same shape as the symbol for Leo Libra rules the kidneys and your kidneys sit in your low back just like a set of scales which is the shape uh, for Libra and even at the collective level where's the Capricorn live oh in the knees bones bones are ruled <clears throat> by Saturn and our long bones are organized in little Saturnian circles. They're organized in concentric circles. So they're the same shape as the planet Saturn. But even on the collective level, I think uh, Libra is super interesting because scales are also justice. And the, in the US and in Australia, I know the populations with the highest levels of social injustice have the highest levels of kidney disease. So I would say we embody the stress of social injustice at the level of the kidneys. And you is anybody else making these connections, or you're you're, Not you're the one? Are, like, no, this is all. This is stuff that you're you're connecting. Stuff that I've connected. I, to my knowledge, no, I have not seen other anyone else that's interesting do, that's done this. I do have a book by a, a Harvard MD PhD who's currently the head of the Transcendental Meditation International. That's the story. That's the uh, how the Vedas describe our anatomy, and so that. Like, so it's out there and it, it, I've seen it live there in like different kind of more occult circles, but nobody's leveraged that to my knowledge is really leveraging it for healing and really leveraging it in the form of storytelling, you know, and we all have stories, Sure. you know, and our pain is a story like the, the difference between acute subacute pain and chronic pain. And I would extend this to chronic belief systems, like your chronic mindsets, anything like that is that those chronic beliefs and chronic pain live in your limbic system, which is where your emotions are. And you cannot logic yourself out of your limbic system. You need a story to get it out of that. And this is how you help people. And this is how I help people. It's really through the storytelling and the emotion and the imagery and it, right. And connecting those behavioral patterns so that you're really treating, you know, when you, you know, everybody wants control. You know, and when you get, you know, whether you have stage fright or anxiety or depression or, um, or physical pain, there's always this loss of control. And being able to tap in, but you can control a story. You can control, you can edit a story. Mm. I'm working right now to really f not do as much one-on-one -on -one and do more group mm -hmm. sessions and really have these uh, so that it becomes much less expensive and that people can see these transformations in the group setting and really be part of it. And I, you know, and that's always much more. Do you have an online powerful. course? I have an online course for healthcare professionals for vagus nerve <clears throat> decompression. And do it, you have it for this though? Will you have not it for, for this? I, um, maybe I haven't, I'm sure eventually I'll have an online course. I think that my, some of the feedback I've gotten at least, especially right now is that people are kind of burned out of online courses. So I haven't, um, you know, and I, and I love the live energy, you know, sure. of, yeah, yeah. of doing it and that doing the, the healing in this work sort more in like a demonstration 
you know, or theater format is really more in line with the whole stage fright and putting myself in the spotlight out there as well. Instead of, I, I think that our HIPAA laws or privacy practices around healthcare are killing us. You have to be witnessed to heal or you get so much more out of it when it's in a group format. That makes sense. So, um, so you're going to finish this book. So I'm finishing the book. Yep. And then, um, you're, you're, are you wanting to do like some speaking engagements? Speaking, and yeah. Speaking and retreats and events. We're at. So that's, I am, uh, I'm working with a speaking coach right now and, uh, lining up conferences and to pitch. What kind of conferences? To as well. Certainly, uh, leadership conf- conferences, mm-hmm. especially in women's conferences. Women tend to, uh, are very often conditioned not to take up very much space, you know, in a border. One of the most successful women I know when she, she's retired now, but she had a very high powered New York city job and she would go into the boardroom and drape herself over like two chairs (laughs) just to make herself big. She was the only, you know, she ran 40 departments for this very big company, but she was in a, you know, in a man's, you know, largely male dominated world. Most, most of my clients are women, though not all of them. And, uh, and I really love talking about the vagus nerve compression points as leadership compression points, you know, cause all like, you know, good leadership vision is really important and whether impaired vision shows up as literally not being able to turn your neck because right. of a physical issue or not <coughs> having the leadership vision to see what's possible for you or your company, the archetypal underpinnings are the same. Gotcha. So let me ask you this. Um, what is the outcome that somebody can expect when working with you? Like, you know, mm-hmm. if you do this, this is what you're going to get. Oh, absolutely more. Well, I mean, for the stage fight people, it always eliminates their stage fright. I haven't had anyone that really has, completely eliminates it. You know, or like they'll still get like the butterfly, you know, like the normal nervousness, but they don't get the pathological nervousness. And I think that it's like, like, you know, and maybe like I'm, I'm always up for a challenge. (laughs) So, you know, like next I'll get somebody who doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't respond as quickly, but it's really, it's so connected to the body and the breath. And it's really easy to, uh, or in my experience has been quite easy to transform, especially, you know, Compared to years and years of working with complicated chronic pain patients, like this is easy. <laughs> you know, people right with stage fright are easy. And, you know, certainly just the confidence to show up, you know, whether you're in the boardroom or in the Zoom room or in front of your mother, just being really solid in who you are and not feeling like you have to, uh, you know, we all have to dance with other people's energies, but we never have to shrink. Hallelujah. Melanie, tell them where they can find you. <laughs> You can find me at melanieweller.com and my social media is on Instagram and everywhere is embody your star. And I'm also on LinkedIn. Fantastic. At, at Melanie Weller. Yes. Sweet deal. Guys, check her out. Um, if you want to set up a session, they can call you. Absolutely. You can call me, email me. If you download the uh, Fearless Presence workbook, you can. it has a Calendly link. You can schedule that way too. And is there like a, um, like a, a trial thing or they have to do the nine? We could, they could, they could absolutely 
just, I'm happy to work with people. Like cool. I'm not looking to screw anybody. I don't want anybody to give me their money when it's not a good fit. So yeah, for sure. We like to make sure it's a good fit. No worries. All right, guys. Melanie Weller, thank you guys so much. That was Spaghetti on the Wall. If you guys want to, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, you can also visit us at LaDukaEntertainment.com um, for all of your social media and video marketing needs. And uh, you can catch Spaghetti on the Wall on Spotify, Apple Music, Google, anywhere you can find uh, podcasts, you'll find Spaghetti on the Wall. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you all next time.